You may be like me. I have kind of this romanticized version of what it would be like to experience a really specific, undeniable call, like, like having God come down and tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life, right? I, I have these moments in life where I'm kind of restless. I've got questions and I want to know what's next and I want to know, I want to do better. I want to, I want to grow. I want to have stronger faith. I want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to know what that is. And so I imagine if God just like showed up in front of me and said, okay, here it is. Here's what you do. Boom, boom, boom. Then all of a sudden the clouds would be lifted, right? And all my restlessness and all my discontent, all that would go away. And I would be fulfilled. And yeah, it wouldn't be easy, but I would be doing exactly what God wants me to do and there'd be no question about it and I could just, I could just act on it and everything would feel better. And I'd feel better about myself. And then I watch this and I think, oh no, I'd be scared out of my mind. Because that's how it works. In scripture, whenever God shows up and says, hey, I've got this that I want you to do. It's never fun. It's never God showing up and saying, I want you to go to Disney World, right? God has some big plan. And it's usually something very difficult. And he shows up and he says, here's what I want you to do. And the people who he's talking to are scared out of their minds. Just like Moses is scared out of his mind. We've been doing the series on fear versus faith. You know, in, in talking about fear, you know, we talk about um, being, like last week, the, being afraid of the giants in our lives, and having fear of those, those bad things that might happen to us. But what happens? How do you respond when the fear that you have is caused by what God has called you to do? That's a little different, right? We don't talk about that a whole lot. We think if we knew exactly what God called us to do, we'd be able to do it with no fear and with confidence and strength. But what if that's what causes your fear? That's what's happening to, uh, to Moses, right? We've all had this, this situation in our lives where there's something you've been looking forward to and you think, man, if I could just get that promotion or just get, um, have that relationship with that person or whatever it is, we set, this, we set this thing in front of us and say, if I could just get that, then I would understand what my life was about and there'd be fulfillment and purpose. And then we get there and we realize, oh no, I'm scared to death still. I still don't know what to do. What do we do in those moments? Well, I think one of the things we do is we do what, what Moses does here, right? What does he do? He starts listing excuses. They even shortened it in the movie version. It's much longer in the text in, in Exodus 3 and 4. It's two chapters worth of Moses listing excuses of, hey, you got the wrong guy. Let, let's look at him real quick. If you have a Bible, open up to Exodus 3. Uh, they'll be on the, the screen as well. God shows up to Moses in this burning bush that's not really burning. That's a whole thing. God says to him, hey, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world and tell him to stop doing what he's doing and to let my people go. 
And Moses has, has this question. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Why am I the person you're choosing? What, what's, what's it about me that you're choosing me to do this? And God has an answer for that question. So Moses has another question. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I do what you say and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? God has another answer for that. So Moses comes back at him. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What if they call me a liar? What if they look at me and say, what you're saying is ridiculous? Why would God send you? God has an answer for that. So Moses comes back at him. And now he starts changing his tack a little bit. He starts this one a little differently. He says, uh, uh, pardon your servant. Excuse me. He knows he's pushing it at this point. Right? We're, we're, we're five excuses in. And Moses says, excuse me, pardon your servant. I don't talk good. I've never been eloquent. I've never been um, slow of speech. How is it me that I'm going to go convince the most powerful man in the world to do what you say? God has an answer for that. And so Moses just, he goes all in. He says, pardon your servant again. Hey, me again. Um, God, let's just go with somebody else. I think you got the wrong guy. This call that we would be waiting for, he's ready to say, that's not my call. You know, come back to me with the other call, whatever that is. See, his fears kind of well up and they turn into these excuses and he builds this kind of wall of excuses about why he can't do what God has called him to do. But let's cut him a break, okay? Let's, let's give Moses the benefit of the doubt. And I say that for a few reasons, okay? The first reason I think we should cut him a break is because the questions he asks and the things that he has in response, they're legitimate. This is really incredibly hard. God knows that. God knows this is incredibly hard, what he's asking him to do. He's asking him to go into the most dangerous situation he can possibly go into. He's asking for everything from Moses. So his, his questions are, are totally understandable. Who wouldn't ask those? All right? Who in here would just say, I, I'd have some concerns about you, actually, if you just said, okay, sounds good. The other reason I think we should cut him a break is this isn't abnormal in the Bible. This happens a lot. See, we, this, this story's kind of become famous because of this list of excuses for Moses. And so we turn it into this story about how to get past your excuses and do what God would have you do, right? We, we turn it into that as if this is the only story where that happens, but it's not. So many of the prophets and other people that God calls to do something for him, when he comes to them and says, hey, I've got something for you to do, they say, oh, here's some reasons why that's probably not a good idea. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, 
one of the most known prophets in the Old Testament, right? God gives him a vision, and in the vision, when, when he sees God, he says, I'm doomed because I'm a man of unclean lips. And so God overcomes that hurdle by cleansing him. Jeremiah, the other giant prophet of the Old Testament, the first thing he says when God comes to him is, I'm too young. You can't do this. I'm too young. Jonah doesn't even argue. He just runs. Jonah just takes off. He argues later when God finds him, saves him, brings him back. And then you, then you have Mary in the New Testament. Angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, you're going to have the son of God. And she says, how's that going to happen? How, how, how's that work? Why me? These are, these are questions that happen over and over again when God comes to somebody and asks them. Um, and, and I think there's you know, quite a few reasons for that. But, but I want to I say this about those excuses. The excuses, the questions, they aren't inherently bad. Even with Moses giving six of them, these aren't inherently bad. They're not evil things. The problem comes is when we let those excuses stand between us and answering the call of God. It's not the excuses themselves. It's what we do with them. Right? And if we're honest, we don't need very many excuses. One good one. One good one's about it. We're like, we're like kids who are trying a new food. You know, when you put a new food in front of a kid, it doesn't take them much, right, to reject it. That's the wrong color. I'm out. That texture looks funny. I'm out. That's touching my other food. I'm out. Whatever it is. One good excuse. I think that's why a lot of us have kids, because kids are a great excuse to get out of everything. I can't do that. I've, I've got kids. My kids have something that day, right? We just need one good excuse, and that's the same thing with God. I, I don't know that any of us have had some big moment like Moses has, right? We haven't had a burning bush moment where we know specifically what God is calling us to do. But those of us who have taken on Jesus Christ, we know what kind of life God has called us to. We know what kind of life Christ lived and what he's called us into. We know we're called to love God and love our neighbors. We know we're called to make disciples of all nations. We know we're called to serve those who nobody else will serve. We know what we're called to do. And usually all it takes is one good excuse for us. Whatever that is, I'm too busy. That may be our, our, our most favorite one right now. It's mine usually. I don't know where to start. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. I don't have enough information or understanding. I've tried this before and I failed. I'm not spiritual enough. That's not realistic where I work or where I live or in my context. You know the list, right? It can go on and on. We just need one good excuse to protect ourselves and to kind of live life 
our own way. But I want us to hear one, one big truth. Actually, I've got a couple of big truths, but here's the first one. A big truth from the story of Moses and the burning bush, and it's this. God's call will not be limited by your fear or your excuses. It just won't. Because this isn't about you. Fear makes you think it is. Fear makes you think that life's all about you. Fear makes you think that life's about being safe and comfortable. And so the the wall of excuses helps do that, right? Fear makes you turn inward. It It makes you understand what you are and are not capable of. And it makes you think that your excuses are strong enough to overcome whatever it is God wants you to do. But here's the third reason I think we should give Moses some credit here. He doesn't leave the conversation. He doesn't let one of those excuses back him out so he can go back to the sheep. He stays in it. And he says yes, because guess what? The prophets, they always say yes, whether they want to or not. He stays in it. And he doesn't let those excuses separate him from what God has called him to do. Fear is normal. It's absolutely normal. And it's understandable. But it's not the final truth. It's not the strongest power in the world. So hang in there. And your conversations with God Hang in there. Don't walk because you think you have one good excuse or even two or three or four. Moses gave six. But here, here's my fear. My fear is that what, what, we, what we tend to do with this story is kind of stop there and make this a, a, a story about Moses overcoming his fears and serving the Lord. And that that's what we should do. We should power through and find that life of, of, of fulfillment and contentment on the other side of our excuses. But this isn't a self-help story. That, that's using it as kind of a self-help thing. That's not what this is about. This is an other's help story. And I know that does not roll off the tongue. And it doesn't look good on a Barnes and Noble sign above a section of books. But that's what this is. God doesn't call Moses so that Moses can feel good about himself and feel content and fulfilled and happy about his life. That may happen for him down the road, but that's not why he comes to Moses. And you can tell that by the answers that he gives to each one of Moses' excuses. God's answers tell us a whole lot about what he's really concerned with. He's concerned about, about who he is as God and what he wants to do for his people. So let's look at those quickly too. Uh, go back to, to Exodus 3. Again, these will be on the, on the board, on the screen. Right, as Moses gets to the burning bush, God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. As if if he really needs an introduction, he says, I'm the God of your ancestors. I'm the one who made promises long ago and have continued to keep those promises. 
after another of Moses' excuses, he says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. From the beginning, he's telling Moses what this is about. This is about my desire for my people to be saved. And you're going to be part of that. He says, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this, on this mountain. You know where they're standing? Sinai. And they'll be back there. God knows they will. And notice how he says that. He doesn't say, if you're able to get out, if Pharaoh lets you go, then you'll maybe be back here. He says, when you get out, you'll be back here. He assures him, this is going to work. What I want to do for my people will succeed. That's God's promise. He says to Moses, when Moses asks, well, who do I say you are? And he says, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And then finally he says, who gave human beings your mouths? This is when, when Moses does the I don't speak good thing. He says, who gave you your mouth? Who makes people deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. There's another moment in there where he doesn't say a whole lot, but he gives Moses three different signs to do. It's with the staff. Three different signs to, to let people know that what's going on is real. And I, I, I got to tell you, if you read three and four together, it's, God almost seems desperate. He almost seems desperate for Moses to know, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you every resource. He loads him down with stuff. Here's the answers to the questions. I'm going to send somebody with you, Aaron, your brother. I'm going to send these, these uh, signs with you in this staff. He gives him everything he needs to do for his people what he wants to do. He assures him of that. That's where faith comes in, right? God's asking Moses to have faith. Not to have faith in himself. Moses, not Moses to have faith in Moses. But Moses to have faith in God. Not only in who God is, but what God wants to do. That's the, that's the big piece of this. That's where everything kind of changes for me in this. That's why I say this is an, uh, an other's help story. That's where we begin to find our faith. Not in ourselves, not in our own contentment and fulfillment, but in what God is wanting to do for the world and for his people. God's gonna do whatever it takes 
whatever it takes. And he wants you to be part of that. That's the story for Moses. And it's different than what I'm, I'm used to hearing. It, it, it's, it's this kind of beautiful moment of have faith in God because of what he wants to do for the people around you. A few weeks ago, I was in a conversation with a friend of mine here. Um, many of you know uh, Doug Buell. When I first came on staff here, Doug was one of the elders. He since stepped away from that, that position, but he still serves that way for, for many. He's a shepherd for so many people. And he has been for me, been a, a constant source of encouragement and love um, and, and challenge at times. I've been a, a great impact on my life. And Doug found himself recently looking for a job. After 30 plus years at the same company, he was let go. And there's a, there's a pretty legitimate question to ask Doug, and that question is, well, are you just going to retire now? Because he can. Age-wise, resources-wise, he can. Doug, why don't you join me up here? And he gets asked that question a lot. And, and the other day I asked him that question. And I loved his answer. And so I asked him, I had to, we had to kind of have a, a Moses excuse moment, didn't we? Um, <laughs> I asked him if he'd share that with you. Um, Doug, I know you, you know that right there, that's on, ready to go. Um, I know that, that you have found yourself as you've been looking for a job, found yourself in some networking conversations. And in those, that question comes up a lot, right? About right. Why, why not retire? <clears throat> You're able to. So what do you tell people when they ask you that? Well, I was sitting at a table with a whole bunch of folks and um, all part of the latest resource action. And as you look around the group, um, I'm one of the oldest fossils in the group. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, I'm a project manager at IBM. I work with uh, software development. I'm a, if you've ever heard the word Scrum Master or Java or accelerated development, etc., that's what I do. Okay? There's a lot of details that they're not important. Anyway, one person looked at me and said, uh, wow. What are you doing here? I said, well, look, you know, looking for my next assignment. He said, uh, you look pretty old. Yeah, I am. <laughs> said, I didn't tell him, but I, I can share with you. I worked 49 years. And so um, he said, well, why? I, I mean, do you need the money? No, I don't need the money. Okay, well, can't you retire? Yeah, I can retire, sure. Well, then why would you want to work? And I said, well, look, the short answer is that uh, every person has different unique skills. They're given gifts, they're given talents, and uh, it's their job to share those with other people because none of us are independent, independent in having all the skills we need. We depend upon each other. So it's my job and will be until the day I die to share with other people. So I said, that's why I'm looking for my next assignment. So he looked at me kind of puzzled. And I said, so I can't think of a time in which I cannot give back. So anyway, one other little short aside to this, because, you know, how do project managers give back to the world, right? Well, the kind of job I have at IBM is a little unique in that I deal with people on six continents every day. And so um, at the end of some of these frustrating days, and there's a lot of tension in the work I work with, um, I'll come down uh, to my wife and I'll say, man, today was a really bad day. I said, I, 
I didn't get anything done on my action list. I've got all kinds of things that I'm responsible to do, and I didn't get anything done. And she said, well, you were sure busy. What were you doing all day long? I said, well, first it started with a Mexico tester who talked to me about intestinal surgery they were going to have. Sorry. So anyway, I encouraged that person for a while, and then the very next call was about the, uh, my Java developer in Bulgaria. His wife has cancer. She can only get special treatment in Paris. And so he needed time off so he could take her to Paris. And then to wrap up the day, the project manager that I work with and am guiding and try to counseling, uh, he got into a big snafu with, with somebody else on our staff. And I had to try to talk him down off the wall and try to put him back into where we need to be to be productive. And so I said, so I didn't get anything done. Sorry. Carol is one of the best spiritual mentors I have ever found. And so I listened to her once in a while. <laughs> so she said to me, well, you were doing exactly what God wants you to do today. So, you know, it's time for our meal. So um, that's uh, the only reason I tell you that story, and I'm not real comfortable being that personal, is... Um, People in the past, I can name about a dozen people in my life, uh, not only biblical characters, but particularly humans that I watched live out their life, that have changed the course and direction of my life. And they have convinced me that no matter how old I get, no matter how limited my skills are, I need to use those. Thank you so much for sharing. Let's thank him. Stay here for some more you. Would you join me in praying over uh, my, my brother Doug here? Father, we thank you so much for, uh, for Doug and Carol and the, the ways that they have shown us uh, what it is to live faithfully um, serving you. And we, we pray for Doug, especially as he look for what, looks for what comes next. Uh, we don't know what that is. He doesn't know what that is. But what we do know is that he is faithfully open to be used in whatever way you w- would use him. And so we pray for that, just like he is. And we ask that you use him to, to, to bring your love, your salvation, your mercy to the people in this world who desperately need it. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks, brother. I appreciate Doug doing that. That took a, a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of guts to, to be that honest um, at a vulnerable time for him. But I hope you hear what I wanted you to hear. Your situation may be completely different, but you hear in his situation what's driven him all these years of working. That to have to have this this mindset of I do this for the sake of other people, and that's the faith. Fear has us do things for the sake of ourselves. Faith has us do things for the sake of others. Faith draws us outward. So earlier I said um, that our excuses are not inherently evil. I want to push that as we close just a little bit further. Okay? I think I want to say this. Our excuses are necessary. Our excuses are necessary in the development of our faith. Because without our excuses... 
without our roadblocks, then it, then it becomes almost like we're doing the work. But when God answers each one of Moses' excuses, he says, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that. God does it. Our excuses are a chance for God's power to be seen. To be seen in our, uh, in our roadblocks, in our weaknesses, and in our problems. And that's a powerful thing to know. The, the Apostle Paul knew that, right? He, knows, like, he knew like we do what God's, what God's desire is for the world. He wants the world to be saved. He wants, he wants the world to know his son, Jesus. And he did whatever it took. He sent his son to die for us, to die for the world. And he wants us to be part of spreading that constantly. And so Paul has this moment where he's, he's writing to the Corinthian people and he finds himself kind of having to defend himself a little bit. The, the, the people in the church there are kind of questioning Paul's credentials and, and how strong of a leader he is. And Paul begins to say, now, now hold on a minute. I may be weak in your eyes. I've got some problems. I've got what I call my thorn in my flesh. I've got, I've got a thing that I've never been able to get rid of in my leadership and in my ministry. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take that away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when you are weak, then you are strong. See, we have this mindset of I'm going I'm to serve and lead out of my strengths. And my gifts. And yeah, we do. We do that at times. But let's not forget the fact that we also serve in our times of weaknesses. In times when we have every excuse to give up. Because God can overcome those things. So, so here's what I ask of you today. It's, pretty, it's a simple invitation. It's just an invitation to not give up. Stay in the conversation with God. Go to him in prayer. Go to his scriptures. Go to his, the community he's put around you. And listen to what he tells you. And bring every excuse you've got. This, you know, there's this weird thing we do sometimes, um, especially with like working out. Uh, where we say, like, I've got to get a little more in shape before I start working out, really. You know that, that, that mindset? We do that with lots of stuff. I've got to get some things in order before we really get our finances in order. I've got to do this work before I do the real work. No. And maybe that's what you're thinking. I've got to get through a few of these excuses before I really listen to God. No, bring them. Bring them. Bring every excuse you got. Watch what he does with them. Because we know the story of Moses. We know what he did with every one of Moses' excuses. And it wasn't pretty and it wasn't easy and it wasn't fun. It wasn't fulfilling and content and, and all kinds of, you know, bird singing and all that kind of stuff. It was the real nitty-gritty of life. 
But God was faithful. And he continues to be. So here's what I know you can lean on. When you have times when your fear is caused by what God is calling you to do, you can have faith in what God desires to do in and for the world. You can have faith in that because we've seen it time and time and time again. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have a moment here. Um, our, our elders and their wives are going to be around the room and not only waiting for you if, if you want to pray with them, but searching people out, um, listening to the Spirit themselves, trying to find folks to pray with and pray over. And if you have anything, if you're struggling with this, about how to, how to really listen to what God wants you to be and do, uh, find one of them. They'd love to be that community that talks with you and prays with you about that. And if it's not one of them, go to someone else in this room. This is a moment that we want to intentionally build to be a, a time when we can strengthen each other by praying together. And so we invite you to use it in that way. Again, what I simply ask you to do is to keep coming to God. Keep listening. Bring every excuse you got. He can handle it. Let's sing.